You're listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM and I'm your host, Jason Cook. Today's program is titled 3MJ and we're going to find out what that's all about in a moment. Today I've got Ryko Chelich. Is that right, Ryko? Uh, yes, that's right, Jason. I'm getting closer. I just <laughs> found out this morning that I've been pronouncing his surname wrong, so I will apologise to you, Ryko, for saying your uh, surname incorrectly in the past, but I'll try my best in the future to uh, to say it correctly. That's right. all good, mate. Yeah. So, Ryko, uh, where are you? And tell us a little bit about where you are and uh, what you do. Uh, at the moment, I'm here in the northwest of Tasmania, uh, living in Burnie and having three churches, pastoring three churches, uh, Olverston, uh, Burnie, and also King Island. I actually go to King Island uh, once a month, and there's a little congregation there. So do you like King Island? Uh, yes, I've been there now about uh, four times. Yeah. Uh, it is an expensive island. Uh, if you go into the shops there, uh, there's two grocery shops. There's an IGA and also a Food Works. And I'll never forget the first time I went in there, uh, I saw a mango selling for $7. Wow, wow, wow. I guess that's because everything has to be air freighted in and... Uh um, yeah, I remember going there probably about 30-odd years ago, maybe closer to 40 years, I can't remember now. But uh, it was I remember it being largely flat and very uh, grassy and sandy. Is that is that how it still is? I guess it, assume, yeah. I don't imagine there's new hills or mountains there. Yeah, I haven't explored the island too much, but from what I've seen, it, it is pretty flat. And it's only about 70 kilometers from north to south and about 30, 32 kilometers from uh, east to west. And um, I know the south is, uh, they say it's better when it comes to cattle and the rainfall is really good. You've got the green grass, so you've got a lot of cattle farmers there. Yeah, okay. Well, I think they're known for their uh, their milk and cheese as well over there. Um yep. So I think uh, King Island is, is fortunate to have you being able to go over there because uh, I guess over the years they probably have not had a lot of attention uh, from from pastors. Uh, but, yeah, it's great to have you able to do that. Um, so, Raiko, tell us a little bit about um, where you come from. Well, originally I was born in um, – I'm, I'm from Australia. Yep. I was born in Sydney, uh, grew up in Sydney. Uh, with an ethnic background, uh, and uh, um, my parents' background come from the former Yugoslavia, and today that area is known as Serbia, and uh, grew up there for about 18, uh, lived there, I should say, for 18 years, and then the family moved up to Bundaberg, up in Queensland, and I'm sure that a lot of our listeners would know about Bundaberg ginger beer. Yes, and, yes, uh, my wife's after, favorite. <laughs> and after living in Bundy for four years and studying there, uh, God took me to South Korea. And I was there for four years. I did missionary work. I did uh, also, I taught conversational English and I did some further studies there. Uh, and uh, after that, I went over to Taiwan and did, did volunteer pastoral work. Wow. Must uh, be very I, different uh, working in in uh, an Asian culture as well because the, the Christianity in those societies is pretty small, isn't it? Yes, and look, South Korea wasn't bad. About 50% of people were Christians. But when, you, when it came to Taiwan, it's a different story. Okay. And this was between 2007 to 2009. Uh, my wife and I worked there. 
And uh, at that time, just trying to remember, about 94% of the nation was Buddhist. Wow, wow. Mm. That's, uh, and, and so uh, Christianity is just a, a very small amount. Do you see that uh, it's growing, do you think? Yes, look, I do believe Christianity is growing because I believe what the Bible says in Matthew 24, verse 14, where it says, And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then the end will come. So we see that the gospel is powerful. Sometimes some of these religious groups like Buddhism and Hinduism, they're confined to a certain geographical area. But Christianity, I believe, is powerful and penetrating, and it's, it's moving forward even in countries like North Korea. Yeah, awesome. Well, thanks for sharing a, a bit about yourself, uh, Raiko. It's uh, good to get to know you more. I'm, I'm still getting to know you, but it, I'm looking forward to uh, doing that through this program as well and as our listeners can uh, also get to know you over the, over the period of time that you're going to be presenting. Now, 3MJ. 3MJ. I had no idea what that was talking about. It's a, like a code word. So please tell us, what is 3MJ? Well, you have three M's, and the first M is movement, the second M is message, and the third M is mission. So you've got three M, and J stands for Jesus. And you have the movement, message, and mission of Jesus. And I really got this from the book of Revelation, where in Revelation chapter 10, it talks about this movement. And there's some history attached to that, and we're not going to get into that today. Um, maybe sometime in the future. But there you see that there is this movement. And then at the end of Revelation 10, verse 11, it says to prophesy again or to proclaim again. And then when you go to Revelation 12, it talks about this woman. And in Bible prophecy, a woman represents a church. And in the very last Bible verse of Revelation 12, verse 17, it talks about how God's church is going to be persecuted by the devil and Satan really hates his church which has it keeps the commandments of God and also has the testimony of Jesus Christ which is the gift of prophecy or the spirit of prophecy according to Revelation 19 verse 10 so there is this message that God's church has and then you pop to Revelation 14 verses 6 to 12 and you have something called the three angels messages this is something that God's church will be proclaiming before Jesus Christ comes back again so this is like the mission. So, Revelation 10, you've got this movement. Revelation 12, you've got this message. And then Revelation 14, you've got the mission. And after all, the book of Revelation is a revelation of Jesus Christ, yeah. according to Revelation 1 verse 1. But we're not going to really be diving into Revelation. We're going to be diving into the gospel books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John uh, in this series. And this is where I said, wow, what you find in Revelation, you can apply it to the gospel books of the movement, message and mission of Jesus Christ. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Now, today's uh, program is titled Jesus' Final Week, The Triumphal Entry. So, um, tell me, why are we starting at the final week of Jesus' ministry here? Mm, that's a really good question. Uh, throughout this series, I'll be quoting sometimes from a book called Desire of Ages, and on page 83 of this book, it says something to this effect. I'm just summarizing it or paraphrasing it. It says, It would be good to spend a thoughtful hour each day in contemplating the life of Christ, especially the closing scenes, uh, as he was going to be 
as he's going to die on the cross and be crucified. And we're going to be looking at Jesus' final week of ministry. And it's so relevant, it's so significant, because as we look at Jesus' final week of ministry, after three and a half years of ministry, there are so many applications that we can apply to our personal lives, but also he teaches us how to prepare for things that are going to come in the future before Jesus Christ comes back again. We can apply it to the uh, time of the end. Yeah, so that's that's really key and I think important with any uh, Bible study that we do, which obviously we're going to be opening the, the Bible and, and uh, reading Scripture. It's It's so important that we can get something that we can understand and apply to our lives now otherwise i guess what's the point in a way you know it's not just a an exercise it's actually something that we need to or we can hopefully apply to our lives today so i'm looking forward to uh to working that through with you and um now we're just about to go to the break is there is there anything you want to uh, talk about before we go to a break uh with our first song Yes, look, we'll be looking at the events or the life and ministry of Jesus Christ chronologically. And just to add a little bit more, why should we look at Jesus' final week of ministry? When we look at the book of Matthew, the book of Matthew has 28 chapters. And chapters 21 to 28 is talking about Jesus' final week of ministry. And then you have the book of Mark, it has 16 chapters. And Mark chapter 11 to Mark chapter 16 is talking about Jesus' final week of ministry. And we're going to be looking at Jesus' final week of ministry beginning on, on events on Sunday before his crucifixion on Friday and then going all the way to the following Sunday when it comes to his resurrection. So with the book of Matthew and the book of Mark, one quarter of these books, sorry, not one quarter, but one third of these books are already talking about Jesus's final week of ministry. That's pretty amazing. It is. So clearly there's some important stuff in there. Mm-hmm. And uh, when it comes to the book of Luke, chapters 19 to chapter 24, is talking about Jesus's final week of ministry. That's about a quarter of the book. And then guess what? The book of John has 21 chapters and chapters 12 to 21 Almost half of the book is talking about Jesus' final week of ministry. Mm, okay, okay. And I guess uh, the final week of his ministry led up to the crucifixion? Right. And, and, uh, and, yeah. and that final week is also known as, or sometimes referred to as the Passion Week or the suffering yeah. time that Jesus went through. Yeah. I haven't uh, seen the movie yet. Uh, I've I've got to be in the right frame of mind to sit down and watch it. Uh, the the movie, The Passion. Um, but one day I will do it. Uh, I believe it's it's very powerful. Um, we're going to go to a break now, and uh, we're going to listen to this song by the Ball Brothers, which is called "It's About the Cross." Just about the manger where the baby lay. It's not all about the angels who sing for him that day. It's not all about the shepherds on the bright and shining star. It's not all about the wise men 
traveled from afar. It's about the cross. It's about my sin. It's about how Jesus came to be born once so that we could be born again. It's about the stone that was rolled away so that you and I could have real life someday. It's about the cross. It's not just about the good things in this life I've done. It's not all about the treasures or the trophies that I've won. It's not about the righteousness that I find within. It's all about His precious blood that saved me from my sin. It's about the cross. It's about my sin. It's about how Jesus came to be born once so that we could be born again. It's about the Listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM and today's program 3MJ with Raiko Chelich. Now, Raiko, uh, before we uh, went to the song, we were talking about uh, a little bit about you and uh, and we also introduced the topic of today, Jesus' final week, the triumphal entry. Now, I'm just going to ask, you know, what are we covering in this episode? We've got to get into it pretty soon, but give us a very brief overview of what we're going to cover in this episode. Uh, I'm not getting you, Raiko. What's happened there? We've just lost Raiko for a minute. 
I might just have to go to another song and I'll come back to you. Okay, I think we've got Ryko back. You there, Ryko? Yes, I'm Yeah, there. there we go. No worries. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah, technical glitch. Awesome. But we're back. Uh, so I asked the question, Ryko, uh, what are we covering? Just a brief intro into what we're we covering in this episode. Yeah, we'll be looking at Jesus's triumphal entry or his victorious entry. And we need to get down to what does all of this mean? But there are three events associated with this Um well, one of those is the triumphal entry. First of all, you have the picking up of the donkey, and then the triumphal entry, and Jesus weeps over Jerusalem, and then, then last of all, the return to Bethany. Okay, okay. Now, uh, we're going to be talking about Jesus, but who is Jesus? That's a really good question. That's also a loaded question. There are people out there who just believe Jesus was a good man or a prophet, and I know a few days ago, David Leo, uh, on this show, Tassie Encounters, he spoke about Jesus Christ, that he is God and he is also man. So he's God-man. And I know that takes a lot of faith to uh, believe in that. And it is uh, something that is supernatural. Jesus, that is his earthly name. Jesus means he came to save us from our sins, according to the Bible in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. But there are many Bible verses where it talks about that Jesus is God, that he was God in the flesh. And uh, it is it is a mystery. And that's why sometimes when I don't understand things in Scripture, and I believe all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, I hang on to Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 29, where it says, The secret things belong unto the Lord, but those things which are revealed to his children belong to them forever. But really, when we talk about Jesus Christ, the word Christ, uh, it comes from the Greek word Christos, which means the anointed one or the chosen one. Yeah. And the Old Testament scriptures was written originally in Hebrew, and you have the Hebrew word Messiah which is Messiah, which means anointed or chosen one. So the words Christ and the word uh, Messiah are synonymous with one another. And the Bible teaches us that Jesus is the Christ. He is the Messiah, the chosen one to come, who ultimately, really, who is Jesus? He's our substitute. He's our Savior. He's our Redeemer. He died on a cross for our sins. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank, thank you for elaborating on that. Um, now, we're going to get into some reading uh, of Matthew 21, I believe. Yeah, let's get into Matthew chapter 21. I've opened my Bible here. And Matthew is the first book uh, of uh, the New Testament. And we, re we refer to the book of Matthew as a gospel book. The first four books are uh, of the New Testament are known as gospel books, the good news of Jesus Christ, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And sometimes you can read something in Matthew and Mark. It's the same story, but you have different perspectives from different angles. And sometimes Mark will say something that Matthew doesn't. Or sometimes Matthew says something that Luke doesn't. Or John says something that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John don't say. So it's good to compare all of these uh, different accounts. And, mm. and it's like... Uh, you can have an accident that happens and you can have five people that saw this accident or four people or ten people and everyone's got their own version, but they still saw the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's really good to have those different perspectives because uh, it fills in some of the gaps if you read uh, different um, accounts of the right. same events. Yeah. Right. Well, let's dive into Matthew 21. And 
I've got a little subheading above my Bible. Do you have a subheading there yeah, above your Bible, Jason? The triumphal entry. That's right, that's right. Can you please read verses 1 and 2 for us? Sure, and I'm reading from the New King James Version. So now when they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent his two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. Mm-hmm. It, it mentions here in, in verse 1, a few geographical locations. It mentions Bethphage. Bethphage, yeah. So what, what's the background of Bethphage? That's a good question. Uh, and Bethphage, obviously it's near the Mount of Olives because it says it's at the Mount of Olives. Yeah, it's, it's like on the summit right there uh, on the Mount of Olives. And uh, the Mount of Olives was close to a big city. You know what city I'm thinking of? Uh, I'm just guessing here, Jerusalem. That's right. You have Jerusalem. So you have the city of Jerusalem, and then towards the west of Jerusalem, uh, sorry, my mistake, towards the east of Jerusalem, you have the Mount of Olives, and then you have Bethphage. And then if you go further out, you have Bethany. Okay. So Bethphage is between Bethany and Jerusalem. And Bethany, well, why am I mentioning Bethany? Because you're going to see that prior to this day, Jesus Christ with his disciples on the Saturday of the Sabbath, and the events here in Matthew 21 are taking place on Sunday, but the day prior to this, he was st- Jesus and his disciples were staying in Bethany. Okay. And in Bethany, he had a friend called Lazarus. Ah, I remember Lazarus. He was the one who was raised from the dead. That's right, that's right. And uh, Bethany was about 2.5 kilometers away from Jerusalem. So as you would go from Bethany, you would travel to Jerusalem, you've got Bethphage pretty much in the middle. It was on the eastern slope of the Mount of Olives. Now, when you hear those words, Mount of Olives, what's now what comes to your mind, Jason? What do you think of? Well, Mount being a, maybe a small mountain or a hill. And, yep. And... Uh, I you imagine an olive grove. That's right. Do, do, do you enjoy eating olives? I don't mind olives. I'm I'm not. Yeah. Look, when I was younger, I didn't like them, but I do. Uh, I do have um, a limited amount now in a salad or you know on a pizza or something. They're they're pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, and the Mount of Olives. That's what it was. It was an olive grove. It was east of the city of Jerusalem, and it was about. 823 meters above sea level and approximately 76 meters higher than the city of Jerusalem. And sometimes the Mount of Olives is also referred to as the Olivet. And a few days after this event here in Matthew 21, so in Matthew 21 it's taking place on Sunday, a few days later on Tuesday, Jesus is going to talk to four of his disciples about things or signs that are going to happen before he comes back again. And many times Jesus would... During his ministry, he would go to the Mount of Olives for quiet time and meditation and prayer. And later on, uh, in this same week, Jesus' final week of ministry, on the Thursday night, which biblically is known as Friday night, you're going to have the experience of Jesus Christ uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane, which is right there on the Mount of Olives. Okay, so he comes back to that place. That's right, that's right. I I think we should move on, Jason. I'm talking too much. No, that's good. (laughs) What comes next? Uh, Do we want to keep reading? Yeah, look, uh, it mentions here about uh, a donkey colt. 
Yes. And can you read verse 3, please? Matthew 21 and verse 3. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. Mm, mm. So it mentions here how two disciples, it doesn't name them, they received directions from Jesus to go to Bethphage and to get this young donkey, donkey colt. And if someone asks you, why do you need this? Well, the response was, the Lord, the Lord has, has need, of, need them. of them. Now, in the other uh, gospel books, I believe Mark and Luke, yep, I'm just double-checking on my notes here, it mentions the Lord has need of it, this donkey. Yeah. And someone might be going, what's this all about? Do you have any ideas or clues maybe, Jason? I don't really understand uh, the significance of the donkey. I was going to ask that question, actually. You know, t- Tell me what that's really all about. See, in the Old Testament, when a person would become crowned as king, there's this tradition of sitting on a donkey. Donkey. Okay. And it's like you're now the king. You're inaugurated. You're the king. It's this, it's this triumphal entry, and that's really what we're talking about today. Sort of different to the way we would imagine it these days, isn't it? Where when people make a grand entry these days, it's, you know, like if it's the Queen or something, they come in with their carriages and, and horses flanked by the sides. And, uh, or in the US, we've got the, uh, the uh, cars, you know, the lines of cars that carry the president. It's a little bit different, but, uh, but that's sort of, I guess, the same sort of uh, idea here that the donkey represents this triumphal entry. Yes, you have the um, U.S. president. Uh, I think they still call his car the Beast. Yeah, yep. And I remember I saw not so much an entry but a departure when I grew up in Sydney. Uh, I remember I was in primary school. Uh, There was a number of primary schools that lined up there in Auburn next to the railway station, next to the library there. And Princess Diana was in a car and just going by. It was kind of an entry and a departure. And another time I saw senior uh, George Bush, President George Bush Sr., when he was departing from the Opera House in Sydney. Okay, yep. But we're going to be talking about Jesus Christ here. Yes, yes. So here it says, the Lord has need of them. Um, What's the significance of of the Lord here? Would would they even have understood what that meant? Mm, Hmm. This word, Lord, well, I'll answer the question. But here you have the disciples. Jesus is saying to them, go get a donkey. Yeah. And they're already, what do you think was going in their minds? I guess they were expecting, and they would have been familiar with the uh, the idea of the donkey meaning some sort of uh, coronation or what have you. So I guess they would have been looking forward to this big event. Yeah, like kingship. Yeah, oh, kingship. you know, Jesus is going to be king. Yeah. And Jesus said to them, If you're going to be questioned, just say to that person, the Lord has need of it. This word Lord, what does this word Lord even mean? Most people would say it means owner or master. And I remember when I was living in Taiwan and doing missionary work there, I was also helping out a a Korean pastor that was also missionary there. And I was helping him um, with his English and we would study the Bible in English and I remember one time asking him, and he was much old, much more older than myself, and I asked him, what does the word Lord mean? And in his broken English, he said, my boss. And I really liked that. 
um, because Jesus is to be our boss. But the wor- Greek word here is actually kurios. And it does mean master or owner, but it means God in the flesh. Uh, do I have enough time to expound on this, or are we going to go to a song soon, Jason? We will be going to a song uh, pretty soon, but if you can, uh, you know, just briefly uh, ra- um, wrap up that concept, that would be good. Yeah, the, the, the word Lord in the Greek, which is the original language of the New Testament, it is the word kurios, which means God in the flesh. Yeah, and which is what uh, David was talking about again. The Logos becoming flesh. That's right. That's right. A few days ago. And remember, you had the Roman Empire during the time of Jesus. This is going back 2,000 years ago. And you had all these different emperors. You had Emperor Tiberius, for example, Domitian, Nero. And they were referred to as kurios. They were God in the flesh. But now you have Christians referring to Jesus Christ, the Lord. He is the kurios. He is God in the flesh. Do you think this made the Romans happy? No. I would imagine that uh, they would have been concerned. (laughs) Yeah, they were not happy at all. And especially in the first century and more in the second and third century AD, Christians are being persecuted because Jesus Christ is their Lord. He is their kurios. He is God in the flesh. But what I find so... uh, Amazing and interesting that while the church was being persecuted heavily in the 2nd and 3rd century, the church was really growing. Yeah, yeah, unreal. um, The persecution, we see that often, isn't it, where there's there's much persecution. uh, The faith grows, you know, people's uh, faith has to become strong and uh, the church grows. Yeah, and, and just this final liner, just to say before we have the song, Jesus saying Lord also shows that Jesus is assuming the role of a king. King, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, well, let's uh, go to the break now. But just before we do, I'll give this number to our listeners. It's 0488-880-891. Now, that number you can contact us on. We'll be monitoring that. And later in the program, we will have a code word that we'll give you, and you can text that code word in to receive a free offer. So let's uh, have a listen to this piece of music. It's Amazing Grace, and it's a bit of a different version by Jaden Lavick.
You're listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM and today we're listening to our program 3MJ with Raiko Shellix. Now, Raiko, we've been talking about the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem and we were just talking about the donkey and uh, going to fetch that donkey and the fact that the Lord has need of them. Now, where do we go from here? Let's go to Matthew 21, verse 4. Let's continue with the story. Okay. Uh, do you want I'll me to read, read that? that? Yeah, okay. Uh, I'll read, read that. that. All, all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you. There's that word king. Yep. Lowly, and that means humble, and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the fowl of a donkey. Matthew here is recording a prophecy from the Old Testament, from the book of Zechariah. Okay, yep. And uh, this is, the book of Zechariah was written some 500 years earlier, before Christ. 500 years ago, this was foretold that Jesus would ride in on a king. Well, not specifically Jesus, but the king would come in on a donkey. Yes, and, and this is known as a messianic prophecy. And in the Old Testament scriptures, someone counted all the messianic prophecies and they said there's 1,093 messianic prophecies and about 300 of these are related to the first coming of Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's incredible. That's, that's a lot of prophecies. <laughs> right. Let's read verse 6 and 7. Can you please read that for us, Jason? Sure. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey out and, and the colt, laid their clothes on them, and set him on them. That was it, six and seven? Yep, yep. yep. Um, what kind of emotions do you think was going through their minds when they're going to go and fetch this donkey? Well, as we mentioned earlier, I guess they were expecting Jesus to become king, and so I guess they would have been pretty excited. Yeah, I think so too. The Bible doesn't say what was going through their minds or what kind of emotions they had, but I would, just using sanctified imagination, oh, we've spent three and a half years with Jesus Christ, and now he's going to be proclaimed as king, and if he's going to be proclaimed as king, and the Jews had a different concept and understanding of their version of the Messiah, they believed, oh, there's going to be liberation and freedom from the the Romans and the Messiah is going to establish his kingdom on earth. So they're getting really, really excited, yeah. I believe. Yeah. And uh, I, I did mention this book earlier, uh, Desire of Ages. In, in this book, Desire of Ages, on page 570, it says, How Jesus chose for his use the cult on which never man had sat, the disciples with glad enthusiasm. See, there's a bit of emotion there. Enthusiasm spread their garments on the beast, that's on the donkey, and seated their master upon it. And then it says, uh, in this uh, same book, on the same page, it talks about how hope brightened in their hearts with the joyous thought that he, Jesus, was about to enter the capital, that's Jerusalem, proclaim himself king and assert his royal power while on the errand. They communicated their glowing expectations to the friends of Jesus and the excitement spread far and near raising the expectations of the people to the highest pitch. I could see myself, if I was living back then, this would be exciting. Wow, yeah. Jesus is going to be king. Exciting for the Jews because they were living in a very uh, oppressed um, situation with the Romans ruling. And uh, imagine they were expecting this king to come and, and free them. 
from mm. that oppression. There's something I just thought as we were reading that. This donkey, a colt, never been trained before, never been sat on. It says, uh, or in that in that um, reading that you just said, a, a colt, a foal, it's, mm. it's untrained. So that in itself, I mean, you don't go and sit on an untrained horse or an untrained donkey. So there's there's uh, a miracle. That's a really that, good point. There's a miracle that happened in that uh, event alone. Well, I've never seen that, Jason, before. This is good. This is why we study the Bible together. We all have a we see things sometimes, or or someone else sees things that we don't see. Yeah, yeah I've never thought about you know another little supernatural thing or miracle happening here. Yeah, just as Jesus rode that donkey. Okay, so uh, do we go on to verse eight? Yep, verse 8. Can you read that for us, please? And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Mm. We, we see here that there is this great multitude and uh, they gathered together because they were eager to witness Jesus' uh, reception, to see Jesus as king. And it mentions how they spread their clothes on the road, but it also mentions here... Uh, They had uh, cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. When you read two other gospel books, you read how there were leafy branches. Yes. And it is believed that these leafy branches were actually coming from olive trees. But then you go to the book of John, and in the book of John, you don't read about leafy branches, but you read about a palm branch. Yeah. So it is believed that there's these two types of branches here, leafy branches and palm branches. And uh, when we go over to the book of Revelation, chapter 7 and verse 9, and we don't have time to open up our scriptures there, but palm trees represent a symbol of victory and triumph. Okay. And that's why we're talking about Jesus' triumphal entry. And and just to uh, bring this note in straight away now, people believe that, oh, Jesus is doing his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. This is not taking place yet in Jerusalem. What we're going to discover yeah, is that this is taking place on the right way. there on the on the Mount of Olives, uh, yeah. on the summit there on the top. We'll, yeah. we'll see that, especially when you read the book of Luke. Yeah, okay. Can you read for us verse 9, please? Yeah, sure. Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. So you can see there's this celebration, there's this praise, they're saying, Hosanna to the son of David, to a descendant of David. That's what the word son means. Blessed is he who comes in the name or in the character of the Lord. The word Lord there is is something that is known as, um, when we study the scriptures, Jehovah, the self-existent, pre-existent, the eternal one. But do you know what the word Hosanna means, David? Uh, Sorry, David. Jason. Jason. (laughs) Jason. Um, I don't, actually. It means, well, a lot of people say it means praise because of yeah. praise songs. Yeah, we, we see it a lot in praise uh, music. Yeah. But it actually means save now. Save now, okay. Or it can mean save, rescue, savior, save, I pray thee. Yeah. And, and they want to be saved from Roman oppression. Yeah. And they want to see Jesus as king. Yeah. Can we open our Bibles to Luke chapter 19? We'll sure. keep a finger in Matthew 21. We'll see if we come back to Matthew 21, depending on our time. But let's just go quickly to Luke chapter 19. And you can read about the same event from verses 28 to verse uh, verse 44. But we're not going to read all of these Bible verses. But I just want to go to Luke chapter 19 and verse 37. 
Luke 19 and verse 37. Can you read that for us, Jason, please? Yeah, so then as he was now drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen. Saying, what's the next Bible verse? Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. We're talking about the same event. Yes. And notice, Jesus, he's not in Jerusalem. He's going to be descending from the Mount of Olives. He's on the top of the Mount of Olives. Yeah. Yep. And there was this great multitude. And we know, according to the Bible, that there were Pharisees that were present there. Also, Lazarus was present there too. Jesus' friend. Jesus yeah. raised him from the dead. And there were other people that were present. And uh, there's this rejoicing and praising that is taking place. And then what does verse 39 tell us there? And some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. Mm. Do you know who the Pharisees were? They were the religious leaders, the Jewish religious leaders, I believe. Yeah, they, they really didn't like Jesus. Yeah. You can say to the point they hated Jesus. Yeah. And they were instrumental for in, in, in really the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Sanhedrin Council. Yeah. And the Bible says how Christ came to his own, but his own received him not. He came to the Jews. And Jesus' ministry, this is now uh, at the end of his three and a half years of ministry. And in the first year of his ministry, it was known as the year of obscurity. You know, people are starting to get to know him. Uh, the second year, it is known as the year of where his popularity is growing. Uh, he's doing miracles. And the third year was really the year of oppression. And these Pharisees, they were pretty upset um, with, Oh, Jesus, he's, people are rejoicing. They're saying, Blessed uh, is the son of David. Um, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Oh, Hosanna. And they're praising and rejoicing. And they're angry. They're blessed not happy. is the king, yeah. And yeah. obviously this was a pretty big thing. And, and uh, by this time, many people must have known of the works and the miracles and things that Jesus had been doing. And they must have really had uh, a lot to sing about. Mm. And then in verse 40, it says this, But he answered and said to them, this is to the Pharisees, I tell you that if these should keep silent, meaning if the people would keep silent and not praise and rejoice um, in him, then he says this, the stones would immediately cry out. Yeah, wow. amazing. So that's uh, that's powerful. So the, the, the Pharisees um, really... They were not happy that uh, even, you know, Jesus was sort of indicating that somebody has to praise here. <laughs> and, and they were praising him, and I guess they really didn't like that. Hmm. Can you read verse 41 for us? It says, uh, Now as he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, If you had known... Oh, you want me to keep going to 42? Well, let me just summarize verses 42 to 44. Yep. Um, Jesus is on the summit of the Mount of Olives, and he begins to weep. And Luke tells us why. Because he saw in the future that one day the city of Jerusalem would be destroyed. The temple would be destroyed. And this happened some 40 years down the track in AD 70, and he is weeping. And I think we need to talk more about um, about why Christ wept. Uh, I kind of answered that question already, but I just want to expand on that, and I'm not sure if you want to go to the next song. <laughs> yeah, we, we need to take a break. So um, we'll come back and talk about that, okay? So why did Jesus weep? Uh, let's take a break with this song, 
Uh, it's called At the Cross by Anna Weatherup. Alas, and did my Saviour bleed? Did my sovereign die? Would he devote that sacred head Someone such as I At the cross, at the cross Where I first saw the light The burden of my heart rolled away And it was there by faith I received my sight And now I am happy all the day Was it for Christ that I have done? He suffered on a tree Amazing pity, grace unknown And love beyond it At the cross, at the cross Where I first saw light And the burden of my heart You're listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM and we're just about to wrap up our program. We've been talking about as Jesus uh, enters Jerusalem and we just read a verse that uh, talked about how Jesus saw the city and wept over it. Now, can you just remind us why that was, Raiko? From the scriptures we see Jesus wept and there's really two reasons. Number one, he wept because he knew that in the future the city of Jerusalem would be destroyed and the temple would be destroyed. And really the temple was the pride and joy of the Jewish nation. It was one of the wonders of the world. And the other reason why Jesus wept is because he knows that these people, the Jews, would reject him as the Messiah. The next thing that we see Jesus doing is he goes down the Mount of Olives. He enters into the city of uh, Jerusalem. And you read this in Matthew 21, verses 10 and 11. He goes into the temple, he looks around, then he departs from the city of Jerusalem, and we know according to Mark, he goes back to Bethany, some 2.5 kilometers away from Jerusalem. So all of these events that we talked about, where you have the picking up of the donkey, then you have uh, the triumphal entry and Jesus weeps, and 
he goes into the city of Jerusalem, he comes out, he goes back to Bethany. He, all of these events took place on the Sunday. Yeah, I was going to ask, was it all on the same day? Yeah. Yep. Okay. So, um, just what's our takeaways for today? How, how do we, uh, what, what do we take away from this to apply? There's actually several things that we can take away. Number one, you have the prophetic voice, the faithfulness of God's prophetic voice. There was this prophecy about that Jesus would be uh, riding as a king on a donkey in the book of Zechariah. And this is something foreshadowing of Jesus Christ coming back. He's going to come back again the second time, and he's going to come in glory and power. The first time he didn't come in glory, he came to uh, establish his kingdom of grace, not the kingdom of glory, but one day he's going to establish the kingdom of glory on earth after what is known as the thousand years or the millennium. The point is that there was this prophecy about Jesus, and 30% of the entire Bible is prophecy, and I believe in the prophecies of Scripture, and I want to encourage you to study these things for yourself. Yeah. Um, I'll, another... I'll, just, I'll just say there, Raiko, that uh, Gary's program on Tuesdays is very much talking about the historical accuracy of, of the Scriptures, and that's going to include a lot of those prophecy things. So tune in on Tuesdays as well with Gary Webster. Awesome. And the other thing we can also see with Jesus is the humility of Christ. He did not ride on some stallion or some mighty war horse. He came on a donkey. So it shows humility, uh, which is the opposite of pride. Also, another takeaway is the followers of Jesus on the Mount of Olives, uh, they celebrated and praised him. And I, I could easily... Uh, spend three hours talking about the blessings that and the joy of God in my own personal life. And the Bible says in the book of Psalms, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. And there's just so much to be thankful and praise God. We also see the compassion of Jesus, that he wept. Yeah. And he really wept and lamented because of mankind uh, rejecting him. So Jesus has this great compassion for souls uh, that are lost and he's always trying to reach out to people um, but it's people's choice whether they want to accept him or not and then last of all I already touched on this but Jesus Christ came to establish his uh, spiritual kingdom of grace and in Luke chapter 17 Jesus on one occasion was talking to the Jewish religious leaders um, and he said to them the kingdom of God is within you Amen. Okay, so um, I'm going to just ask you now, or actually we'll do the offer now. Um, the offer that we've got today is this book called The Desire of Ages, and the code word for that is 3MJ. That's the, the number three, the letters M and J, and then the number one after the end. So The Desire of Ages, um, do you have anything to add to what that offer is about? You quoted out of that earlier. Is there anything else you want to say about that? I would highly recommend the book, Desire of Ages. It's a beautiful book. Uh, some people, uh, when they pick up that book and they see the thickness of the book, it, it has 835 pages. It, it's quite thick, uh, but don't let that um, put you off. It, it is a book that is awesome about the life, the ministry of Jesus Christ, his teachings, and I really recommend uh, that book. Awesome. So tomorrow's, oh sorry, next week's program, what what are you going to be talking about next week, Raquel? Uh Next week we're continuing chronologically on the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. We're going to be looking at the events that took place on Monday, and it is entitled The Fruitless and Withered Fig Tree. 
Great, great, great. Thank you. We've uh, we've had a uh, a person text in just to comment about that passion film that we uh, we uh, were talking about earlier. And um, yeah, thanks for your comment. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure who you are, what your name is, but I just appreciate that you're listening and uh, you've uh, connected with us. So hopefully you'll be listening again. Now tomorrow we have Peter Watts and he's going to be coming and uh, coming into the studio here and he's presenting a series titled Searching for Certainty and uh, his first episode is titled Does God Exist? So um, we're going to uh, finish up now and uh, I've really enjoyed this discussion, Raiko, and uh, it'll be great to have you back next week. And we just uh, hope that our listeners have a great day wherever they are, whatever they're doing. We uh, hope and pray that your day is fulfilling and uh, that God is with you. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God, born of his spirit, washed in his blood. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. Visions of rapture now burst at my side, perfect submission, perfect delight. Descending, bring from above Echoes of mercy, whispers of love This is my story